Speaking of next week, we are getting dangerously close to Easter. Um, Danger zone. Not as dangerously close to Easter as Jesus was getting. But right. Still close. We're very close to Palm Sunday. Yeah. So by the time you hear this, it oh, will yeah. be Holy Week. We're recording this the Thursday before Palm Sunday, so we're not quite there yet. But we are excited to jump into it and talk about it. Um, like every week, the uh, Faith to Go... The Faith to Go resources, which you can find at www.myfaithtogo.org. <laughs> I just got your joke about Easter and Jesus being dangerously <laughs> close to Easter because it was dangerous because he got crucified. Yeah, that's right. So, it was a crucifixion joke. Uh, those are only the best. Those are my favorite type of jokes. Knock, knock jokes and crucifixion <laughs> jokes. Too soon? Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the Director of Faith Formation here at St. Paul's Cathedral in San Diego. But I'm Maya Little Sonia, and I'm the Youth Minister. And usually with us is Jackie Pippin, the Digital Resource Curator. She uh, has a scheduling conflict this morning. I think she's doing some sort of volunteering. Oh, so she's with us in spirit. As good in for you, Jackie. The Holy Spirit. <laughs> so, um, yes, we all say good for you, Jackie. Thank you for doing whatever you're doing. Right. Uh, but she will be back with us next week. Speaking of next week, we are getting dangerously close to Easter. Um, Danger zone. Not as dangerously close to Easter as Jesus was getting. Right. Still close. We're very close to Palm Sunday. Yeah. We are in the week of uh, Holy Week, which is the sixth and final week of Lent. And so we are going to uh, take some time this week to talk about the gospel for this upcoming Sunday, which is Palm Sunday, which is always the Sunday before Easter. And it is the Sunday where we recount um, the the journey of Jesus into Jerusalem and all the way to the cross. And then we stop just short of uh, Easter. So we pretty much sit that whole week in kind of this in-between place of, of Jesus's passion and then the resurrection. Uh, and so this week, uh, there's a number of different gospel readings that you can do on Passion Sunday. The, there's like a longer and shorter version of the actual Passion narrative, which is even the shorter version is very, very long. Yeah. They're both the Lucan accounts because this is Luke's year and year C. But there's also a liturgy that comes before the reading of the Passion narratives called the Liturgy of the Palms, which is when many churches will do the short portion of the liturgy outside and then maybe do a procession into the church with waving the palms. And and so on Palm Sunday, we have this dichotomy of having this celebratory reenactment of Jesus' uh, triumphal entry into Jerusalem and then go right into you know his... Um, being handed over to the authorities and really tortured and killed. And so it's kind of this like really big pendulum swing from yeah. exuberance to to suffering and and pain and sadness. And just it's like, wow, that escalated quickly. Right. So the liturgy of the palm, the gospel for the liturgy of the palms is the one that we're going to focus on today because it's a little bit shorter and more manageable. And you'll have various times throughout the week to hear those gospel stories of the passion narrative if you go to church. Um, but this is that triumphal entry is the one that we're going to focus on. Uh, and that is from Luke chapter 19. Uh, so 
Uh, like every week, the Faith to Go resources uh, can be found at www.myfaithtogo.org, and they will be based on this week's gospel lessons uh, and a lot of different gospel lessons to choose from, from for Passion Sunday. Uh, and so we are going to jump into that gospel for the Liturgy of the Palms and each highlight uh, one thing we hope you take into your faith discussions this week. And we will have three, though there are only two of us. We'll have one for Jackie also. Mm-hmm. And if you would like to share any uh, stories from your Holy Week, if you like to share any comments you have or ask any questions of us to, sh- to uh, talk about on the podcast next week, we would love to hear from you. You can send us an email to faith2go at stpaulcathedral.org. You can direct message us on Instagram at faith2go, or you can contact us through the website myfaith2go.org. So now we're going to get into the gospel. So Maya is going to read the gospel, and the gospel for the Liturgy of the Palms this Sunday is Luke nineteen twenty-eight through 40. After he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. We had come near Bethphage and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Just say this, The Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it, found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, Its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They said, The Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they sent Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. And as he was now approaching the path toward the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. This uh, is a very familiar story because we hear it every year this week, also because it's in all four of the Gospels. So, But this is the second week in a row that we've had... uh, a story that that comes in all four gospels, and so there's each gospel also tells it slightly differently, uh, and so there's some interesting things that are unique to Luke, um, and so we'll, we'll talk about those in a little bit. So what I wanted to do, just to, in terms of the context part, to before we get into our points, uh, is to highlight some of the um, highlight some of the. Hebrew scripture citations uh, that are coming up in this story because a lot of this is happening a lot of the things that are happening these these details like going and getting a cult these are all uh, callbacks to Hebrew scripture so this is from Zechariah 14 4 through 9 on that day his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives which lies before Jerusalem on the east so then in Zechariah 9.9, 9, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout, o- shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you. Triumphant and victorious is he. Humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. 
Psalm 118, 26 is, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has given us light. Bind the festal procession with branches up to the horns of the altar. Habakkuk 2.11 says, Alas, for you who get evil gain for your house, setting your nest on high to be safe from the reach of harm. You have devised shame for your house by cutting off many peoples. You have forfeited your life. Mm. The very stones will cry out from the wall, and the plaster will respond from the woodwork. So those are all the – those are four of the the underlying um, verses from Hebrew Scripture that this story is kind of built on the structure of. So it's easy for us – you know, I don't know all those off the top of my head. And so all the – they, those things are in kind of all of the accounts in different ways for a reason because that's what the tradition was and kind of this fulfillment of prophecy that Jesus is is doing. So the first point that we wanted to highlight from this gospel, uh, from the Liturgy of the Palms, is Jackie's. And it's from this first part of the story where Jesus is kind of directing the disciples to go do these various things. You know, he's on the Mount of Olives and he asked the disciples to go in to um, a village and find a cult that is tied up in order to fulfill this prophecy. But uh, so they so they go and find this cult and then he is riding into town and they're putting, the, putting their cloaks down. And then... Uh, there's all these people following him and and shouting praises and celebrating. And I think that the cool thing about this to me uh, is how there's – it seems – it's kind of cool that Jesus is is like relying on the people around him to make this triumphal entry happen. That he has been saying for, you know, however long in each of the gospels, this is my – ultimate goal. This is my destiny. This is the thing we're going to do. We're going towards Jerusalem. We're going to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be killed and resurrected. And he has this clear vision of of his vocation and how it's going to play out. And the the disciples around and the people around him regularly don't understand it or get it or even want it to be true. And in the face of that, Jesus never just goes off and does it by himself. He doesn't leave them behind and go do it. Right. Uh, And even here on the precipice of this most important triumphal entry into Jerusalem that is so unique and important for his story and his vocation and his journey, he is even more reliant on the people around him than he usually is. You know, he is asking people to help him, and he needs the support of the people to help him to do this most important this like extremely important thing in his ministry so that even the act of getting from the Mount of Olives to Jerusalem only happens because he relies on his friends and asks those people for help and they assist him. So it's like even, even this huge part of Jesus's ministry that we highlight so much of his entry into Jerusalem, his death and his resurrection does not and cannot happen outside of his relationship with the people around him and the mutual support that he's getting from those people as he is supporting them also. So I I love that idea as like a 
you know that that doesn't have that, that didn't stop at the walls of Jerusalem. That that kind of continues now. That we are in this constant back and forth of like the the Christ and God, you know, working with us, but also we are working with God to bring out bring about important parts of our own journey and God's journey in the world. You know, that right. we are it's kind of like a back and forth that is always unfolding and happening. It's like accomplices. It's, it's, it's like accomplices. We are accomplices in grace. And Jesus is dependent on people he doesn't even know. You know, mm-hmm. like he's saying, you know, if some, somebody's going to ask you why you're doing this. <laughs> and you're going to tell them. Right. I just want to know how that interaction went. Right. Like, it's for the Lord. Oh, yeah, bet. Yeah, <laughs> sure it is. Yeah, take it. Okay. Go I'm on. Sure you'll bring it back. Yeah. It does play into exactly the kind of economy that he set up earlier in Luke that we talked about a number of weeks mm-hmm. ago where he says, if whatever whatever someone asks of you, give it to them and expect nothing in return. Right, like a mutually you know? beneficial, yeah, trusting like relationship. These unnamed people who have this cult are like living into the kingdom of God mm-hmm. that Jesus is proclaiming. And Jesus trusts that they are doing that. Yeah. That, yes. Um, what was I going to talk about? Right. There's so many symbols of peace in this, as David had mentioned in Second Kings, uh, Psalm 118, Habakkuk, um, Zechariah 9.10. Um, there's a lot of symbolism here. So it doesn't say it in Luke, but there are like palm fronds involved, which is why we call it Palm Sunday, as we had mentioned. And David and I did a little research into the significance of the palm, and it was a symbol um, dating back to Sumerian culture in Mesopotamia. Um, but also, you know, in Rome even, but in Jewish culture, it was a symbol of triumph and peace. So we have these palm fronds. And then the cult was from Zechariah 9, 9 to 10. So it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem, as people did. Lo, your king comes to you triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Um, He will cut off the chariot. Uh, the the war horse from Jerusalem and bat and the battle bow shall be cut off and he shall command peace to the nations. So that's pretty interesting that there's this dichotomy between like a triumphant and victorious king and a humble, gentle king riding in on a colt. And this king has not. It's very distinctly that he's going to cut off the war horse from Jerusalem. So I think it's really interesting that he's not on a horse. He's on a colt. And that he's going to cut off the chariots and the battle bows. And that he's going to bring peace. Now, within the context of of the holiday of Passover that they were going in to celebrate and where they were in Jerusalem during the Roman occupation, I'm going to do my own context, if you don't mind, David. You know. (laughs) Well, okay, so Passover is a pretty subversive, politically subversive holiday, if you think about it, and just its origins. Um, and I would say the most subversive on the Jewish calendar, if you are, you know, an oppressor of Jews. Um, this is definitely one to look out for. This would be a time where people would memorialize, or at least remember, the when they fought back against oppressors and when they won. And so perhaps it would embolden them to revolt against the Romans. And... I mean, Pontius Pilate's main job really was to not let that happen, was to stomp out all revolt um, in the empire because, of course, that could, you know, snowball into something, a much bigger problem. And so they would be on high alert during a festival, during the festival of Passover. And if we look at what the Pharisees, who with the Sadducees were often, you know, 
affiliated with the Romans, kind of like trying to be an advocate for their people in um, conjunction with the Romans and stuff. Uh, since they were saying, hey, don't say those things about him being the king and stuff that might encourage revolt and that might be violent, that's dangerous, stop that, get them to stop saying what they're saying, in which Jesus makes the stones comment. But I think it's interesting how they believe that his peace is subversive and dangerous. And I think they don't get that he's pushing back against violent revolt. And that peace, at the same time, though, is not passive. That peace is not the absence of conflict. It is much more than that. It is a pro proactive peace. It is a constant thing that you're trying to build, like these relationships and, and an economy of grace and peace and justice and equity. And so Jesus is... These people don't understand that that it's not so black and white. It's either there's going to be a violent revolt because they think you're like this messiah, general, war king, mm-hmm. or, you know, that he's encouraging that that he's just a, guy, a king on a donkey and that he's weak. It's He is triumphant and victorious and on a donkey mm-hmm. and peaceful. That being peaceful doesn't mean not being victorious and triumphant. Um, but ultimately weakness is what makes him triumphant or at least not trying to be dominant and not trying to super impose um, his, you know, power onto others. It is through peace and through the destruction of all. It is like through peace that destruction meets its destruction. Um, And it is through destruction that, that Jesus dying that we see peace. That kind of that leads into the point I want to make for the third point we have today, which is the way that Jesus responds to those uh, Pharisees when they ask, when they tell him that that the people should should remain silent. You know, out out of genuine concern that something that it might lead to to violence. So, out of this idea that you know Jesus, Jesus is goal is to bring about peace and equity and justice and freedom from oppression um and the idea that the that and so his response to i just i love this this line i think it's so such a cool line that and such a cool answer to their to their kind of trying to tamp down what he's trying to do um when they say, teacher, order your disciples to stop, he says, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. And, and you, could also, you could also translate it, the stones, even the stones would cry out. And, and, it's a, and it's a, like we said before, it's a quote from Habakkuk. And what Habakkuk is talking about is like oppressors building up um, structures to keep them safe from the people that they are oppressing. Uh, that's what he's quoting. That's the stones and the walls is what they're talking about, that even those stones would cry out for justice. And so what he's saying, it's, it's all kind of tied together on, around this idea of freedom from oppression. And what he's saying is that the, the, truth of, the truth of who he is and the truth of God and the truth of equality and justice and freedom from oppression and the movement towards justice and freedom from oppression cannot be silenced. Right. People can be silenced. But the truth of 
of it and the way that all of creation yearns for and yearns for and and desires uh, justice and freedom uh, cannot be silenced. So that even if the people's voices are silenced, even if they do stop saying what they're saying, which eventually they will because Jesus is going to get arrested. Right. You know, even when people are silenced, there is this cosmic force, this cosmic force of creation that is pushing and pushing and constantly pushing towards justice and peace and equality. And in context with the Habakkuk thing, where it's like these stones are acting as a barrier to protect the oppressor from like the angry cries of the oppressed, mm-hmm. it's like basically saying that no oppressor is safe from right. this ever-encompassing, all-powerful truth. Right. That no stone, nothing like that could ever stop this. And so if no yeah exactly so if you're trying to make us quiet like that's not going to protect them and it's not going to protect you mm-hmm. and the thing is that that's that might that is that is kind of cosmically good news but Jesus still dies you know like Jesus still mm-hmm. his life is still ended in oppression you know and oppression didn't stop when Jesus died and was resurrected no but but there is and so and so as much as we are all continuously called to not be silent, we we can also know that when people remain silent, there is still this there is still something working behind the scenes to push people who need to be pushed to push things towards justice and equality. And so that there is a through line of oppression throughout history, but there is also a through line of resistance and a through line of equality and, and freedom and truth and that the truth of God cannot be silenced right? Truth as much telling. as we might try to tamp down those voices. So that is our three points for this Liturgy of the Palms gospel. Uh, number one was Jackie's, and it was about Jesus' need for the people around him in order to kind of complete and fulfill his vocation, even in this most uh, extreme of situations. Um, number two was Maya's about um, the power of peace and the imagery of peace in Jesus riding in on a colt and with the palm fronds and the way that Jesus, in an, in the way he embodies that kingship and that um, triumphant entry uh, subverts the way that we think about triumph and that triumph is really in vulnerability and mm-hmm. weakness. Amen to that. And then <laughs> number three I mean, that's was, my main thing. Number three was mine uh, about the stones crying out even if the people are silenced and the way that there's this cosmic force present, present um, implicitly in creation towards freedom and justice and equality. So having heard that discussion, Maya is going to read the gospel one more time and see if you hear anything new or different this time through. After he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethphage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his, of his disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it had been told to them, as it had been told to them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They said, The Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, 
They set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. All right, that's our episode for this week. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, we hope you have a holy, holy week. Uh, and we would love to hear any stories from your uh, week of faith discussions from this holy week. You can send us uh, an email with any comments or questions or stories from your week of faith discussions to faith to go at St. Paul Cathedral. Make sure to go follow us on Instagram and contact us through Instagram uh, at faith to go. And then you can also check out the website where you can find all of those faith to go resources at www.myfaithtogo.org. And you can also ask us questions or comment or tell us your stories through the website. Make sure to go uh, rate and review this podcast to help other people find it. And we will, next time we, we uh, will be back is after Easter. So we hope you have a, a great end to your Lenten season. Mm-hmm. And we'll see you after Easter Sunday. So long, folks. Bye, everyone. Bye.